good Saturday morning and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host, and let's face it, here we are. A lot of rain been in the forecast. Hope your plants are doing quite well. I know mine are really starting to thrive with all the moisture we've had, uh, but it's Clam Festival weekend here in Yarmouth, and with that, I always take time off. So today we are taping the show. So unfortunately, you won't be able to call in live and ask questions. But I hope, I hope you're liking the new time change to 7 o'clock. It's going to be great. I think a lot of people will be a little more vibrant and be able to call in. So we're excited that we're able to move the show from from 6 to 8 to 7 to 9. It's going to be a a much better time, better for guests to come on, uh, for booking guests to come and and, uh, give us great information. And the lineup coming forward is really going to be great today. We've got three guests, three guests, and it's been a little bit tough to to book guests early on Saturday mornings, but today we have Bob Hartman. Uh, Bob is from Espoma Organics, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, all the organic fertilizers that we have at, at Espoma, but we're also going to talk a little bit about their organic program for lawns and why it's important to consistently use their product throughout the whole season. Everybody's really, really good about fertilizing in the spring but with organic programs it's really important to be very consistent throughout the whole season so we're going to talk with bob a little bit about that and then we're going to also bring in uh, jim massey my nursery manager at the yarmouth store and we're going to talk to him about some summer perennials and then we're also going to talk to him about how you can Make sure and plant throughout the whole summer. What are some tricks? What do you need to do to prep your soil? Maybe what you need to do about water, you know, and, and kind of, you know, make sure that you don't run into some common problems that customers have. And then we're going to wrap up the show with Jim Dill. Jim Dill is the pest management specialist at the main cooperative extension. Jim is the know-all guy for bugs. That's right, bugs. And... We've had plenty of them this year. Uh, It's been a really rough year for bugs and insects, and Jim knows all about it. He knows all about Japanese beetles and all the the problems we've had. But we've got some great plants out there right now, absolutely fabulous plants out there right now. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the perennials that that, uh, I think Jim are going to probably mention. Uh, Monarda or bee balm looking at some wonderful ones in the garden center and the hummingbirds were just buzzing all around them having a blast daylilies obviously it's that time of year they're just stunning some of the mid-season and late varieties are starting to show up that just look great a tree i wanted to kind of bring to everyone's attention is stewardia or japanese stewardia it's a wonderful small tree gets a white flower with a yellow center if you can check that plant out if you're coming into the garden center even if you're really not in the market to buy one it's really a cool plant very interesting hopefully we still have some left because they're in bloom but just a really cool plant one that we can get in smaller sizes to but a very slow grower wonderful white flower with a, a yellow center but then unbelievable orange-red fall color on it also. And a really interesting kind of habit to the plant. The head is kind of a little bit contorted, really, really pretty with some snow and ice in the winter. But 7 to 9. So coming up, you'll be able to 
have that cup of coffee before the radio show, get all pumped up and be able to call in and ask questions. We have started on Channel 6 uh, with Cindy Williams on the Your Garden segment. We've started doing some some spots that basically are answering your questions also. So Channel 6 has put out on their Facebook page to submit questions also, and we'll be answering some of those on air also. So if you can catch that also, that's a great way to kind of get some general information. But let's go back to kind of the Clam Festival, because I want to talk a little bit about that. I've lived in Yarmouth all my life. It is my hometown. I haven't moved anywhere. I moved across the tracks last year to a new house. So I'm on the other side of the tracks, as we say, in Yarmouth. But what I will tell you is my vegetable garden is planted. It's thriving and growing quite nicely. And I wanted to tell a little bit of little story because I came out uh, the other day in the morning to get ready to go to work and Lo and behold, there's a deer standing there sniffing my deer fence going, I know there's lovely edibles in there. How can I get in? So that's something that uh, we'll talk a little bit about is how to protect your plants from deer. And I deer fenced my garden right from the get-go. I didn't. I knew it was going to be a problem, and so I knew I had to do something to protect my garden from deer. Now, my perennial beds and my shrubs, you know, they might nibble a little here or there, but I really haven't seen a problem as of right now. So, it's Clam Festival. It's a great excuse to come to Yarmouth and visit the garden center because you can go get clams afterwards. So, it's a great family event. The one thing I wanted to kind of mention about the Clam Festival that I think a lot of people don't realize that all the booths down on Village Green are run by nonprofits that benefit everyone in town. So all of your money that you spend down there on food all goes back to Project Graduation, Boy Scouts, uh, the baseball teams, the boosters group. When you park, your your uh, parking that you pay for goes to boosters groups and, and all of these things in town that help support our local community. The Clam Festival has been going on for years and years and years. It's always a time I take time off. And the reason being is a lot of friends and family are in town. It's a great time to kind of just reconnect with people. And I always enjoy it. We always have a nice get-together on Friday night after the parade with a bunch of my friends and family. And it's just a really nice time to sit back, enjoy the garden. You know, I always have all my planters are planted and the hanging baskets look great. And my garden kind of, I plan to peak for that time frame because I know I'm going to have a nice event for a lot of folks. And it's always nice to kind of talk about your gardens and and kind of what's going on. This year, obviously, my vegetable garden, it's quite focal this year. Year, and I'm sure we'll be uh, having the kids out there hopefully maybe harvesting a few things. It's uh, it's a little, I got it in a little late as we know. So we'll see if we have anything ready for them to pick. But the kids always have a blast. We have the volleyball net up and, and the horseshoes going. And, and it's just a fun family time. So if you get a chance, please don't hesitate to stop in the garden center if you're in Yarmouth. We're open 8 to 6 every day. So come in. Enjoy the garden center. If you want to do a purchase, you can come back and pick it up later in the day 
Um, you know, so don't feel like you have to put it in the hot car or anything like that. But it's a great way to come see our flagship store in Yarmouth. So enjoy the day. Pack up the kids. Come on out. It's, uh, you know, the 19th through the 21st is when the major festivities, all kinds of music and fun and, and just an enjoyable time. Always a great time. Uh, but we've got a bunch of wonderful things going on here at the radio show changing to seven to nine just want to keep reiterating that that way you know um the one thing about this this garden show that i love is folks coming up and asking questions after the fact so don't ever hesitate if i'm in the garden center or my staff bring it to their attention you're listening to the radio show we love that everyone's listening calling in is another Another thing, we want to get more and more of you to call in and ask some of those questions that will help us out, you know, and kind of continue the show on. Now, we've got a bunch of future guests kind of coming up. I've been working very hard to get some more people from Coastal Man Botanical Garden, uh, some of the different garden club groups, all kinds of things. If you have some information you want to share on the radio show, you can email me at tom at estabrooksonline.com. We're always looking for interesting things if there are garden ideas. Uh, we also have, um, you know, some different main companies that are making uh, main products for gardens uh, that we're going to be featuring in the near future also. So a whole lot of new things, new revived energy with the with the time change. A lot more people are willing to kind of come to the studio or call us on Saturday mornings and, and kind of have a nice interview. So going to be a wonderful, exciting new beginning, uh, you know, for the for, for the Joy of Gardening radio show. So very excited about all of that. But I've got a couple questions here that I wanted to kind of, that were posted on the Channel 6 site that um, I'm going to kind of feature here today because there's so many. We got over 150 questions submitted in 10 minutes, and we'll be doing this periodically throughout the whole summer to help us with some of those segments, but they'll also be great because I'll be able to answer some of them on the radio show also. So, a um, couple things. Uh, going back to that vegetable garden kind of theme, we have Kristen, and her question is, what's the best way to keep weeds down in my vegetable garden? This is always a problem for many, many folks. And, you know, some of the simplest questions are the ones that get the best answers. Uh, you know, and I think that the thing is, I personally kind of overlook the simple things sometimes. So don't ever hesitate to call and ask the simple questions. It's just a real easy way to kind of get a question out of the way that many, many people are uh, thinking about. So, Kristen, the best way I've found, it really there's a couple ways. Number one, you can use plastic. Now, environmentally, is that completely, you know, above board? Yes, because there's a couple things you need to do when you're using plastic. And what I'm talking is a black mulch plastic. It's great, great, great for your heat-loving plants. So... You take a nice sheet of black plastic. We sell one for specifically for gardening. And what it is, is it's going to help build soil temperature. So early in the season, it kills the weeds, but then it also helps build soil temperature for your tomatoes, peppers, things that are really heat-loving plants. It's a great way to hold weeds down, but it also has an added benefit of promoting more growth and also keeping water from splashing which can be a problem with your blights on tomatoes and some of your other fruit diseases so black plastic is a great way 
Now, the other thing, a lot of people use straw or hay. Here is the problem I find with straw and hay. If you buy it baled, it has all kinds of weed seeds in it. Okay, so you go to a supply store and you, you, you buy baled straw or baled hay. Unfortunately, we don't know how that was processed. So what we could be doing is adding more weed seeds to our garden. Now, will it knock some of the weeds out? Yes, because it will give a nice layer. But when we turn the garden over and all of those seeds are in there, what's the problem? We're inoculating that garden for later in the season and or next spring. So I have a product, Lucerne Mulch Hay. And the nice part about this is it's been baked. I know it sounds weird. You bake straw. Doesn't it burn? They bake this straw to kill all the weed seeds in it. And they also chop it so it's very fine. Now, the, the problem with normal straw or hay is that it's quite coarse. So it doesn't mat in quite well. So it, it kind of doesn't do as, as good a job. And then also the weed seeds germinate within it. This is chopped very finely. It's been baked so there are no weed seeds. And so it mats in very nicely in all your aisles and, and spaces. So it will cut down your weed problems by probably 50 to 70%. The key to success is to doing the straw as soon as you plant your garden. So don't let the weeds get ahead of you. Really important that you get that down as soon as possible. Now, we don't have to put a really thick layer because it's all chopped, it mats in very nicely, so the bale will go quite a distance. Okay, I would say about 200 to 250 square feet, so a 25 by 10 garden, one bale should cover, especially if you've got a fair amount of material planted in there, and if you use some of that plastic like I'm talking about. So the Worst place your weeds tend to grow are in the aisles where you walk because you tamp down all of that soil and it makes the the seeds germinate. So m definitely do all of your all of your aisles and you know make sure that you get that down as soon as you possibly can. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the Independent Garden Centers of Maine at MaineIGC.com. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. 
Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Your garden was the talk of the neighborhood in May. But how does it look now? All it takes is a few fresh plants to return it to its springtime splendor. Even the hardiest plants can be battered down by rain and heat. Restore your garden with gorgeous annuals and perennials at the height of their beauty from Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, or Kennebunk. With new varieties still arriving, you're guaranteed to find great-looking plants without weeding through spring leftovers. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. And we were just talking about keeping weeds down in your garden, veggie garden, and, and you know making sure that you're doing that as soon as you possibly can after you plant. I'm not doing any weed control with straw in my garden this year. Um, and the reason being is I did a cardinal sin. I broke my own rule. Where I was late, I went to the garden center and I just picked up a bunch of plants and I brought them home and I started planting and then I picked out the seed packets and I got, and of course I planted my garden pretty full. So I'm going to have to thin my garden as things kind of go along. But where I got a late start, I wanted to go ahead and make sure that I had enough stuff going and then I can select what I, what isn't doing well and I can thin my garden down the road. So I made a conscious effort knowing that I was going to overplant. So with that, I don't have a lot of space for weeds to grow. I don't have a lot of space for aisles. I'll be kind of jumping through the the weeds and and the vegetables to try to pick stuff, but it's spaced accordingly. It's spaced properly when I'm going to go ahead and thin things. So I used clumping cucumbers which we didn't have any left, so I had to start them from seed. So those will take up less space. I use patio tomatoes because they're going to give me the quickest fruit and all kinds of other things that are small growing. I'm trying a bunch of new things, things we've added over the past few years that we've got left over that really kind of will be an interesting, and I'll be able to give you some feedback of some of the different things. But enough about my vegetable garden. Let's talk about how we're going to keep things revitalized after all of this rain. And now's the time to kind of fertilize. And with that, we're going to bring Bob Hartman in from Espoma Organics. Uh, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Tell me a little bit about Espoma. I mean, we've been selling you guys for years. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful product, uh, great organic product, always soil building. But tell us a little bit about the company, where you're located and what you do. Yeah, sure. We're actually located in Millville, New Jersey, which is in the south part of New Jersey. It's almost a suburb of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we've been in business for 85 years, started in 1929, and we are actually fourth-generation family-owned. Wow. Um, so we're very excited that uh, we've been able to stay family-owned for all those years. Absolutely. And one other unique thing about our product is we actually make everything here in our plant with 100% solar power. Um, so we use the sun's energy to generate our own electricity, and we're off the grid um, in which to do that. Wow, what a what an amazing! How how long has that been taking place? We actually uh, installed it and went live on December tenth, two thousand and ten. Wow, that's unbelievable. That's something that uh, you know we need to get out there to customers a lot more. Absolutely, we've actually uh, started putting it on our packaging. We posted on our Facebook page. Um, and it's also we have a monitor on our website, which actually shows how many light bulbs annually we've saved, how many trees we've saved, how many gallons of fuel that we've saved. So if you're interested, you could go out to espoma.com and take a look at that because we love that we're giving back to the environment. And and you also have been putting some wonderful stuff, you know, videos and and uh, you know email blasts out there, you know, with some great information. Yeah, we, we, what we're trying to do is just educate the consumer. With so many consumers now getting their information via social networks, uh, digitally, whether that be via email or going to the web and doing you know, YouTube searches, we, we'd like to be where people are looking for that information, and, and digital is really where people are gravitating to right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and also radio, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, we, I, w- I want to make sure everybody understands Espoma is a great company we work a lot with. They've been a wonderful sponsor in, in helping sponsor the show and another way to get information to customers. And like you said, Bob, you know, digitally is, is one thing with the podcast of the radio show. Um, you can pick up the podcast at estabrooksonline.com. And, you know, the one thing about that, you can listen and watch watch these things at your time and your convenience we we're not we don't have to stop we can enjoy our gardens and then come in and pick up all of these things on our schedule a nice rainy day or whatnot we can listen to the podcast or in the in the car or or whatnot so it's a great great way yeah Um, you can sit in the garden of course you know on that nice bench have a mojito and listen to the show Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me a little bit, uh, you know, we have added in a lot of your organic lawn fertilizers. And tell me a little bit about why it is important that organic programs, you really have to be on a program. And I know for years, four-step programs have really had like a negative effect in the Scots and synthetic world. Uh, you know, customers have had a little bit of a bad taste with that. So tell me, why is your program different? Yeah, well, to to talk just real briefly about synthetic fertilizers, I mean, those types of companies make their money by putting pesticides, herbicides, and insecticides into um, those products, which are really harmful for the environment and not healthy for kids and pets. So that's one downside. The other problem is synthetic fertilizers have very limited slow-release nitrogen, and that's really what you want to look for on a bag is how much slow-release or water-insoluble nitrogen there is because the more slow-release nitrogen the longer the feed for the lawn. So synthetics will feed it very quickly, but most of it will leach away before your lawn or the roots can even absorb those nutrients. The great thing about organic programs is we don't actually call ours a four-step. We call it an annual program. The reason we do that is lawns require between two and three pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet per year. Our program, each bag Um, delivers about a half a pound of nitrogen, which is two pounds. 
And we also encourage consumers to actually go back and put the clippings back in the lawn because that will add an additional third of your lawn's nitrogen needs, and it's better for the environment rather than put them in a landfill. So all those things are extremely important when it comes to lawn care. Mm-hmm. Now, with organics, we have 80% slow-release nitrogen versus synthetics that have 20%. So think of it as a marathon, not a sprint Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to feeding your lawn. Well, you know, a prime example would be we've had all kinds of rain up here. I'm sure you have down in New Jersey also. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the fertilizers are kind of gone. You know, if we if we put stuff down, I just actually the other day put a second application on my apple trees of uh, tree tone. Mm-hmm. And I was driving out the driveway this morning, and I was amazed at the color difference in just four days and yeah. how nice and slow and steady that feeds. Exactly. And I think one of the other benefits that we do – um, to our lawn foods is we actually add biotone microbes and mm-hmm. it's extremely important to have good soil microbial activity because those microbes actually help digest the nutrients and make them more available to the roots and to the plants and we actually put those back in the lawn with synthetic programs when you're putting down insecticides and herbicides you're actually killing those microbes in the lawn and your lawn can't utilize the nutrients um, as easily yeah and and i mean the summer revitalizer i mean Talk to me a little bit about that because people are always kind of worried about fertilizing the summer. It's, oh, we're going to burn up the lawn. You know, we've had a lot of moisture. So now's a good time to think about doing your summer fertilizing. Absolutely. I mean, one of the benefits of, of the summer revitalizer, and it has so much slow-release nitrogen that it actually will never burn your lawn. And it also has a non-staining iron. As you know, a lot of times when there's not a lot of water, your lawn will tend to yellow. And one of the benefits of the iron is it, it will actually keep the lawn green. So, it, and the other benefit is it's actually a non-staining iron. So some of the other fertilizers that are in the marketplace that contain iron will actually stain concretes or paver patios. Or right. if they get into your pool, it'll stain. Ours will not. So that slow-release nitrogen actually helps the lawn um, feed it all summer long. And if it doesn't rain, it won't burn. As it rains or you water it, you're watering the nutrients in because it's a slow process. Right. Not, you know what I love is, is all of your products really feed the soil. And the benefits long term, you just build and build and build more positivity in that soil. And, you know, that biotone, I, I can't tell people enough. I mean, we sell a lot of it with our plants as a planting amendment. And, you know, tell me a little bit about what that does to plants' roots and, and, you know, how that makes them perform that much better. Absolutely. I mean, when you're actually using the biotone and the microbes are help breaking down those nutrients, you'll actually build much stronger roots, much deeper roots, and the blooms just get bigger on your flowers. The, the, the vigor and the, the, the green in your plants is much, much greener. It is so much more healthier for the plant because it can now... Uh, absorb and use the nutrients in a much more readily available and, form. And many of your products, whether it be fertilizers, you know, or just a planting, you know, like Biotone, you've got that mixed throughout most all your fertilizers, correct? Absolutely. So all of our plant foods, whether it be flower tone, tomato tone, garden tone, rose tone, plant tone, tree tone, bulb tone, palm tone, citrus tone, <laughs> the whole tone line uh, has Biotone microbes in it. And, and actually our number one seller, Holly Tone, uh, also has Biotone. Also, talk to me a little bit about garden sulfur because, you know, we sell a lot of that over aluminum sulfate and and how much safer it is. So talk to me a little bit about that. Absolutely. The soil citrifier is actually an organic product. Um, Most people use it to turn hydrangeas blue, but it actually lowers the pH of soils and actually allows acid-loving plants to achieve their optimum growth. 
Um, it's safe and it's non-toxic, and you're really not putting a heavy metal um, in, in your in your garden and in and around your house and your pets. You really don't want metals. So right. um, our garden sulfur is actually much better than aluminum sulfates that are on the market. Yeah, for us, for all our folks up here, great way to acidify your blueberries too. You know, yeah. um, that's that's just a real safe product. You know, a lot of times blueberries are in a moist area. You know, for all of you folks that have wells and whatnot, the garden sulfur is just, it's a safe product. It does a wonderful job. You can, you know, if you get a little bit over the top and put a little too much, it's not going to burn. You know, where aluminum sulfate, like Bob was saying, you know, you got to be cautious about the metal factor. And the biggest problem I've always found is burning on plants. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so Espoma, you know, you guys have been around a long, long time. You've weathered the storm through good times and bad over 85 years, I'm sure. Yes. Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, I know costs of, you know, certain products because they're all natural in these meals and corn gluten in particular, a lot of people are coming in and talking to me about the cost of corn gluten and how expensive it has become. They use it a lot for a pre-emergent on crabgrass, and we sell a wonderful product by you guys for that. Um, you know, that seems to be being used in many things other than fertilizer, which seems to be driving up the cost. Am I correct? You are correct. I mean, a lot of the products are what we call inputs that go into making um, the blends of our fertilizers are traded on the world market. And when you think about the amount of corn gluten, you know, our little company buys versus feeding people in China and, and, and using it for other things throughout the world, you know, we're buying a very small piece of that pie, and the, the, the commodity costs continue to increase. I mean, uh, I think corn gluten has gone up 50% um, over the last six months. You know, sulfate of potash magnesia, which is an important ingredient, has gone up bone and blood meal. These are all things that are traded on the world market that just continue to climb as there's a demand for them. Right, right. And, you know, I just want to kind of make folks understand, you know, with fertilizers, all of these inputs, and it doesn't matter if it's a synthetic, it's it's oil-based, so those prices tend to go up over time. You know, a natural product, we're running into the same problems over time, and there's really nothing we can do about that. It is what it is. What I will say is Espoma has always been good about keeping their prices in line. You have always respected us as a supplier and been able to, you know, make things in a form which we can keep costs at a level, you know, um, level way going forward. And and that's exactly one of the reasons we put uh, the solar power in is to try to keep costs down. Um, It's important that we do that and we try to pass those savings on to the consumers. And I do believe we are the best value in the marketplace um, compared to our competition as it relates to price per pound. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I mean, I was looking at a wonderful chart with uh, Charlie, our salesperson, this past week, and, and looking at all of those things and, and compared to other other uh, you know suppliers. And I was amazed at all the things that he was bringing to our attention, like the solar and, and uh, you know what goes into these products and how it relates to the world market. And I lo- a lot of times, you know, we think, oh, geez, we walk into the garden center, we grab a bag of that holly tone, we feed our rhododendrons or blue hydrangeas or whatnot. But we don't really think about what goes into it and all the work and energy that you folks do. I know packing your pallets, you use robots to do that. And, and tell me a little bit about all of that. Sure. I mean, we were the first company to actually utilize robotic technology um, in the lawn and garden industry. 
and I and I'm, I'm uh, I'd love to say the fact that we have not ever laid off an employee due to automation um, in our plant. So none of our employees have ever lost their job because we brought a robot in or because we brought a new bagger in. We just find something else for those people to do, and that's something that we're very proud of over 85 years. Man, I'll tell you, you know, I want to talk about a company that's doing it right. You know, Bob, I can't tell you enough. I, I really want to thank you for being on the show today. It's been a, a wonderful experience. We'd we'll love to have you back throughout the year and have you bring uh, other products and, and uh, services to our attention. Tom, it's been, it's been my pleasure, and thank you for having me. Bob, have a great day. Thanks for calling, and uh, we'll be back for more of the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earth-Life Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Your garden was the talk of the neighborhood in May, but how does it look now? All it takes is a few fresh plants to return it to its springtime splendor. Even the hardiest plants can be battered down by rain and heat. Restore your garden with gorgeous annuals and perennials at the height of their beauty from Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, or Kennebunk. With new varieties still arriving, you're guaranteed to find great-looking plants without weeding through spring leftovers. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Great interview there with Bob Hartman from uh, Spolmore Organics. He really, really has done, they've done a great job down there in New Jersey. They have really, really worked extremely hard to keep their prices in line. And organic fertilizers, the costs are going through the roof, folks. I just want to let you know, if you have an opportunity to buy and stockpile some of your fertilizers, Think about doing it this fall. It will save you some money next spring. Um, fertilizer costs are going up. There's no way around it. Espoma has mitigated many of those costs, so it's a very modest increase on their part. But if you're used to buying a four-step program organically, you might look at buying that now for next year. Uh, it's probably not a bad idea. Costs are going to go up by probably $5 a bag. Um, it's just the way it is. There's really nothing we can do about it. 
like Bob was talking about, those input costs, you know, of the corn gluten and the meals and bone meal, you know, with the cost of meats and poultry and all of that rising, it all directly re- uh, reflects into organic fertilizers. And there's really nothing we can do about that. The only change that's going to happen is that the prices are going to go up. So think about that. Just a tip, you know, that you might consider. Um, you know, we're going to have Jim Massey. He's going to be joining us uh, towards the end of the hour here. We're going to talk a little bit about summer perennials. And we're also going to talk a little bit about how to get those plants through the summer. You know, whether it's something you've planted already this spring or something you want to plant throughout the season. That brings up a topic I wanted to kind of touch base on. You can plant all season. I know we've had a lot of rain. The ground is moist. It's still good time to go ahead and plant. Okay? So really important. You know, you can pick up the podcast at sbrooksonline.com. You can also pick us up at wlobradio.com. And you also can call in. But not this week, unfortunately. We're taping the show this week because I'm taking the day off. And we're enjoying Clam Festival here in Yarmouth. So, unfortunately, I am taping, but I, I'm hopeful you're enjoying the tape show. Because we've got some great, great people. Jim Dill is going to be here from the Maine Cooperative Extension. He is the pest management specialist for the state of Maine. And he's going to be in in the second hour. We're going to talk a lot with him about all of that. But like I talked about, we had a bunch of questions submitted on Channel 6's Facebook page. And let's get back to another one of those because I think it's they're, they're great questions. So uh, here's a great one. Nancy, with all this rain, what, what will keep fungus away? Okay, so we've talked about this a bunch of times, but now it's really important. Okay, if you're seeing signs and you haven't done something by now, now's the time to come into the garden center and talk to us because now is the time we're going to start to lose plants because we haven't done something to help them through this trouble period. So a general term is I always like to use the most organic fungicides we possibly can. A great one is Serenade. Another one is copper sulfate. They're great, great products. The one thing with Serenade, you need to be proactive with it. Okay, where it isn't organic, organics typically they don't cure problems completely. They help correct or prevent problems. So being proactive before your long rainy stints and or before you have a problem, if you always have problems on specific plants, start early. Start often with an organic program. If you already have problems, then we may have to go a little bit more aggressive. So the copper sulfate works well for an organic. That's kind of the end-all, be-all. And then after that, we need to go with something that's even a little bit more aggressive. Now, these products like Mancazeb or Infuse are systemic fungicides. That means they work within the plant and they work from the inside out. You can spray them on the leaves and they absorb into the leaves or you can drench the root systems. But those will help with a lot of your blights. They will help with a lot of your problems that are within the plant, whether it be um, bacterial or other problems that are kind of going on. So those are some other products that will help you along the way. Be aggressive. Be on top of it before it becomes a major problem and we won't have to get to those problems. The other thing that I wanted to bring to people's attention that we didn't cover with Bob was red thread. 
okay? Red thread is a problem in your lawn, and it can be taken care of by just feeding your lawn. We don't need a fungicide or anything like that to take care of red thread. What we need is to fertilize. So if you have a problem called red thread in your lawn, that means you definitely are lacking nitrogen and need to get out there and feed your lawn, okay? So that's another problem that has kind of arisen during all this rain we've leached out all the fertilizers you know and on top of that going back to nancy's question fertilization is really important on plants also if you have a stressed plant we need to talk about two ways of of fixing that number one we spray and limit the stress of the plant now it's been moist so we probably maybe the soil's too wet or too dry we're not sure we have to dig down Check the root system, make sure it's good and moist. So if we've corrected the fungal problem and we've corrected the stress problem of the plant, then we've got to come in and we've got to feed the plant again. Because a lot of this rain has washed away a lot of that fertilizer, it's moved it down lower into the soil, and so now what we need to do is revitalize those nutrients so that with the summer heat, the plant can explode with growth, it has the moisture, now we need the nutrients to go with it. So that's the secondary thing you need to do is always think about correct the problem with the fungicides or insecticides, whatever you need to do, whether it's synthetically or organically, that's your choice. Then we need to limit the stress and then we need to come back in and feed and get the plant happily growing again. Once we start to see new leaves and we start to see new growth starting, we want to come back in with that fungicide and spray it again because we don't want those old leaves to transmit that disease to the new leaves. So that is kind of how I would re revitalize things and keep those problems from coming back. You know, it, that's the biggest worry I always have is when we go through a stint like this, there's a lot of spores, there's a lot of kind of remnants of problems, and if we get the right conditions, they just pop right back up. So that second application after plants start to revive and do well kind of knocks everything down, gets it to a point where things can really, really do a great job and explode, and, and your plants will do so much better. Now, we're approaching August. August is the time when it worries me the most about fertilizing. So, because we want plants to slow down and grow, you know, stop growing for winter here in Maine. So, you know, we're getting to that time frame where we're going to stop talking about a lot of fertilizers because we don't want them to grow too much in the fall. So we're going to talk more and more and more about that in August. You know, we're still in July, folks. July has flown by, but uh, we're going to have Jim Massey. He's going to be uh, calling in here shortly, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. 
Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, the lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Astorbrooks. I'm Tom Astorbrook. And man, first hour goes by real quick. But uh, we're going to have Jim Massey... Good morning, Jim. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Tom? I'm great. Uh, let's talk a little bit about summer, because it's summer now. I know. I, it's gone here so quickly, too. I mean, I just thought the other day it's July already. I know. Yeah. I know. So, Clam Festival's going on. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. fairly, typically a, a little bit of a slow time at the Garden Center in Yarmouth, correct? Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Lots of watering right now. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and at, at the beginning of the show, I kind of prompted people. I said, you know, if you're coming to Yarmouth, why not stop by the garden center? Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, and why don't you buy some plants and you can pick them up later in the day? Oh, yeah, right. If they, <laughs> like if they're going to the Yarmouth Clam Festival, yeah, we could we could hold those. Yeah, and we've sure. got a big perennial promotion going on right now. Yeah, um, we uh, grew a lot of really big chunky perennials this year um, in nine inch pots so um, we have a really good selection right now of good color and and sedums and all that great fall stuff like russian sage Mm -hmm. things like that looking really good so we're having a buy one get one um, sale right now so heck of a deal isn't it yeah exactly so you buy one item at you know the regular price you get the lesser price item or equal price item for free so these are huge huge plants i mean yeah little small plants right i mean we're having a hard time getting them on the carts and keeping (laughs) them from falling off right now i know it's amazing uh so tell me a little bit about summer plants because you know we focus in most of our customers buy the majority of their plants in spring so a lot of times they're all spring bring flowering gardens and right, they get yeah, to this and, time of year and it's like yeah. eh, i don't have anything so well and you know we we always don't have the opportunity we, you know in the spring to have that conversation about you know what's what's going in your garden later in the season so especially if you you know you you have um usually there's a big push to get everything in and then you know summer company comes and you have a big hole and, and people are rushing around trying to fill those spots with some color, um, you know, late, uh, late perennial color. So, you know, good plants to use for that are classic, you know, um, black-eyed Susans would be, you know, a big, 
big plants that people use for that late summer bloom. Um, you know, Russian sage, as I mentioned earlier, you know, beautiful, um, almost lavender-like gray foliage, great for that, you know, end-of-summer color. That plant blooms until, like, September. Same with the black-eyed Susan. Um, you know, any of the nepetas or catmints, again, those are resurging to give you a good show later in the season. And, of course, we can't forget sedum, you know. Um, sedum is a huge uh, group of plants that add a uh, huge textural range, color range, as well as in the foliage, too, because a lot of these different sedums have, you know, really exciting um, variation to their leaves. There's one called Autumn Charm um, that I'm thinking of right now. Excellent choice. And then you have a great bloom potential as well. And on some um, of these variegated yeah. sedums, yep. we've, we've found some of these new varieties. You know, some of the old varieties, they reverted back to green very easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have we yeah. seen much of a problem in, in some of these new ones that, well, that were growing? Yeah, with any, with any variegated plant, you, you take that risk. The plant, you know, sometimes with environmental stresses or, you know, will we'll send out, you know, green shoots. Um, these newer sedums, are, we're seeing a lot less of that happening. So, you know, and any of those shoots that you see, you just prune them out as soon as you see them. That usually keeps the, the clump from reverting back to the all-green form. So. Okay. But we're seeing much less of, of that type of thing in these new sedums, Autumn Delight, both Autumn Delight and Autumn Charm. So. Yeah, and, and I planted... Uh, Autumn Delight last mm-hmm. year, I believe yep. it was. Was mm-hmm. that the one we had last year? Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Autumn Charm. Autumn Charm. Autumn okay. Charm. Yeah. I, I, you know. I know. There's so many. There's plants so many out. varieties. <laughs> but I put I put some in yeah. in my garden, and boy, they really yeah. have filled out nicely. Yeah. And the vigor is really good on them. Yeah, and that color. I mean, it really just says you know that it just never looks bad. The plant, you know, mm. it always has something going on. So I think that's really valuable. So. You know, we have all kinds of new varieties, too, right. of some of these old standbys, you know, like Black-Eyed Susans. Yeah, right, yeah. Tell me about some of the new dwarf varieties or, well, or, or different right. forms. Yeah, we have um, we have a variety in that ni- same 9-inch pot called Little Gold Star, um, which is a much dwarfer plant. The plant probably gets to be about 18, maybe 24 inches tall, if that, depending on how richly it's grown. Mm -hmm. That plant almost grows into like a round form, almost like a mum form, you know. The flowers are a little smaller on it, but there's many more flowers, so it has much, um, you know, some of the older uh, Black Eyed Susan's great plant, but they tended tended to be really a lot taller than people imagined in their landscape. So this is a a much more compact, um, you know, tidy clump uh, and great bloom potential. So just great like for time. great for small spaces. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, Even in the, a container, absolutely. you know, um, for like on the doorstep, they go for a long time. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, are there other varieties that we've carried other varieties in the past too? Yeah, there's there's like Viet's little Susie. Um, that's another great one. It's a l- it's about the same size of of the uh, the uh, Goldsturm, but the 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 structure of the plant is a little bit different. Goldsturm tends to be more of a rigid, upright grower, which is great for some applications. But you know, some of the other like Viet's little Susie, which I um, just Viet's little Susie, it's um. It tends to have more of a blousey, kind of more wild feel to it, you know, kind of like that old-fashioned um, native one that grows in Maine that's more of a biennial here. Yeah, a little more naturalizing. Yeah, look, yeah. Know. So if you were doing like a meadow garden, 
um, you know, Goldsturm, that plant likes to, that plant usually um, is more, has the more almost formal presence in the garden, more chunky presence. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, if you have those big borders, you know, along your, right. your yard, you can yep. always spread those seeds out into kind of, you know, a field or, or whatnot, oh, yeah. and hopefully they come up. It's not oh, always perfect, but, yeah. you know, if they naturalize over time, kind of like lupin or, or right. some of the other things, it exactly. works out if it does. Yep. You know. Well, and one thing I thought of, too, st- talking about different varieties of our old classics, I mean, I just I mentioned Russian sage earlier, and there's also a shorter version of that, you know. So Russian sage, that plant, tim- typically that plant wants to grow in a really lean, sandy, dry situation once established, and that plant gets to be about three and a half to four feet. In other situations, if it's really rich, you know, it, it has a ten- tendency to flop and be a little bit bigger than we want it to be. So um, they introduced one called Little Spire uh, a few years ago, which we have as well in that same 9-inch pot. Um, that grows to be about 24 to 30 inches tall. Yeah, and it looks um, to be, it, it, we've carried it for years. It's, yeah. it's a really mm-hmm. good grower. Yep. You know, we're going to, yep. We're going to probably have to cut it, cut you short here a little bit. Oh, sure. We're going to go to the end of the hour here. And uh, Jim's going to be back. He's going to be back in our second hour. Um, we've got about a m- minute or so left here, the first hour. And I just wanted to say, you know, there's all kinds of varieties of new plants that are new to all our old standbys. And they fit kind of a lot of different scenarios and situations. So don't feel like you have to come in and buy the same old Black-Eyed Susan. Come in and talk to us. We we have some new options that may fit your site or may fit your container, like Jim was saying. You know, there's a lot of new things for summer, and they're all fresh plants. Okay, it's not like it's old stock left over from spring. These are all new plants. And we're doing this buy one, get one free promotion because April was a little bit slow. And May and June were wonderful, and we have some excess plants. And why not reward all of you folks out there? We've had a great, great season. And we're going to take a little break here, obviously. End of the first hour, a lot coming up. Jim Dill in the second hour. We'll be back with more from the joy of gardening on News Talk WLOB. It's nice. Now we're from 7 to 9. Much better than 6 to 8. Gives me a little bit more sleep time in the morning. But also, a little bit better for you to be able to call in. Unfortunately, this week, we are not taking calls because we're taping the show. I am sitting on my back deck having a cup of coffee right now, I'm sure. Uh, After a long 
nice get-together we had on Friday night. Uh, we are enjoying the Yarmouth Clan Festival this weekend, and uh, I hope all of you can come down, enjoy the festivities here in Yarmouth. Uh, obviously, I've lived in Yarmouth all my life, and uh, in the first hour, we had talked with Bob Hartman from uh, Espoma, and we are talking now with Jim Massey. Good morning again, Jim. Hey, Tom. So... Yeah. We left off with some wonderful plants for yeah. summer color. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about more more of these Russian sage, because well, I love the that Russian, plant. Like, uh, you know, again, we were talking a little bit about, you know, old varieties and how you can freshen up the garden. And, you know, a lot of these older varieties can be replaced with newer ones that, you know, grow shorter, that don't have the maintenance, you know, that you had in your old, old older varieties. So mm -hmm. um, things are different, and uh, things change all the time with plants. That's the beauty of it. Absolutely. Um, there's another Russian sage um, called Pika Blue. I love um, that name. Yeah, I know. I just, that, and uh, that's a that's a another short one. Um, again, available in that nine inch pot. And this plant gets to be maybe 15 to 18 inches. Um, again, different in different soils, it can be a little richer. But these plants really, you know, really just love, you know. Um, sandy, freely drained soils. So. Yeah, great for those areas that have yeah. hot, dry locations. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they really thrive yeah. under that. You know, obviously yeah. still need good moisture, though. Yeah, especially in especially in establishment, you mm -hmm. know. Um, once that, you know, most perennials are going to be drought tolerant once established. Right. But, um, a lot of these plants, you know, it's a really large root system in a small pot. So, you know, paying attention to that kind of um, watering when you first put them in it would be prudent, I think. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, but there there are all kinds of other you know you know fun you know perennials for fall that you know add a lot of color. I mean, um, I don't know if you um, there's so many new floxes available as well. Mm -hmm. You know, volcano flocks we've carried for a number of number of years now. Um, that's really an excellent an excellent plant. Very disease resistant. Um, you know, great color ranges from white um, uh, to like a, pink, a really beautiful fuchsia pink. There's also a red that's really uh, a beautiful color, really bright red, and also a ruby. These all are disease and mildew-resistant plants. Um, their stature is a little bit shorter than the, the old-school, larger four-foot fox. I like um, that, too. Yeah, and and it's better for you know mid border, mm. um, smaller gardens as we as we know. Or if you just have a plant fetish and you need more plants in a smaller space, right. you know, using dwarf plants is one way to vary you know vary your your um, selection. So. And and the nice part, really, yeah. no staking on these volcano flocks no, either, right? No staking, no, not at all. Yeah. yeah, you shouldn't have to stake them much at all. Again, unless they were hugely rich, which yeah. you know. Yep. We love to add compost. Those Costa yeah. Maine folks love us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, but along the lines of, you know, late summer color, I mean, I would have to, you know, mention like balloon flower, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that is a, a staple for late summer color. There's, um, uh, I don't know if people are familiar with these plants, but, uh, you know, they have this great flower that looks like a balloon. Um, kids that come to the nursery really like to pop them you know right um and then <laughs> like, they don't they break open the up. profits <laughs> yeah right right and then um they uh end up opening to like a star-like flower which you know right you know they're just going to beginning to flower here in the next week or week and a half or so mm -hmm. um and you know 
really great color for the fall, like that you know, purpley blue. There's a short one called sentimental blue, which is, gets to be about 12 inches tall, 10 to 12. Um, there's a taller one, um, uh, a white with a blue streak called fairy snow, which we have as well. And then um, there's this uh, beautiful uh, shell pink, it's called, uh, which is just a blush pink, and then it opens to, fades to a white flower. Um, really shiners in the in the late summer garden. Um, yep. So. Well, tell time. me a little bit about Monarda, because you know yeah. I was looking at some yep. that are in bloom, yep. and the hummingbirds are just buzzing oh, yeah, around right. and having a great. We've got a lot of different varieties of Monarda, you know, yeah. or bee balm, right? Yeah, exactly, bee balm. Yeah. Um, there's a new one we had it actually last year. We never, um, you know, Monarda or bee balm is one of those plants that's, uh, uh, you know hard to get it to color on the table they get so tall so sometimes we you know keep them cut back so they look really nice and everything but there's a beautiful one out right now called um uh, purple rooster which is in full bloom here at the nursery mm. um which is the deepest purple uh bee balm that i've seen you know it's a really deep clear purple which we haven't seen in a bee balm before the foliage is very very dark i like um, the foliage on that yeah, one yeah and it's um mildew resistant as well so all of these newer bee balms are very resistant to powdery mildew. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that no bee balm is going to be, you know, totally resistant, especially if we overhead water or if we have really humid days. With we haven't had any bad little, weather like that. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> or really humid days with no sun, you know. Right. But, um, you know, we do what we can there. Um, another great one that I, that I think is a really beautiful bee balm is um, called Grand Mum. Uh, it's a very nice, clear pink flower. It has a little bit smaller stature again, mm -hmm. so it doesn't have it doesn't get to be three to four feet tall. Uh, it's usually going to be in the 30-inch range. Um, again, varying with soils a bit, but uh, you know, excellent variety that's very mildew resistant. So. And there's nothing like Jacob Klein, that big, exactly. great big, huge, mm -hmm. tall plant, right. red, crimson red flowers right. all over right. it. Yeah. That's what I always, I always think Monarda, and I think that, you know, yeah. just that old-fashioned. Right, and we have the Cambridge Scarlet, too, which mm -hmm. is an older variety, but Jacob Klein is really stands head and shoulders above um, the rest as far as flower size. Mm-hmm and as well as the height. I mean, it really has a, a big presence in the garden. Yeah, if you need a big, big perennial yep. on a border that shows, right. and you have a lot of room, because you want to give Menardas a lot of room. Definitely. You know, that is one tip we can say. Get, don't crowd them in a garden. Right. They will get big over time. Cut some of those pieces out and discard them or give them to a neighbor. Mm -hmm. You know, but you want a good airflow to make sure the powdery mildew is not a big problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Other yeah. lovely summer flowering perennials. I know there's there's more in the summer than people even realize. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like summer flowering. I mean, you know, daisies are right are really big right now. Mm -hmm. You know, um, every different shape shape of flower. Crazy daisies where no flower is the same. Mm. Um, that plants to be about gets to be about thirty inches. There's Thomas Killen, which is one of my personal favorites. That. You know, got about 30 inches tall. The, f the flower is semi-double. Um, there's Becky, which is a very big grower, you know, to three and a half to four feet. Mm -hmm. um, very simple, um, white, daisy-like flower. Um, daisies abound, and it now is like 
Daisy Central out there in the, yeah. in the, in the yeah. landscape. So another big grower would be Joe Pieweed, right? Yep, Joe Pieweed, excellent late summer, um, you know, splash architectural plant. That plant um, comes in a couple different sizes. Uh, the Gateway, which is a really popular one, um, gets to be about six to seven feet tall. So it's great with those late season grasses that are tall. Mm. Um, great for some summer screening. Um, there's also um, Little Joe, which is a uh, about th- four, four to five feet tall, a little bit different um, stature. So um, there's something to fit the bill for for most gardens in Joe Pie. And there's also one we don't call Joe Pie really, but it's in the same family. Um, it's called uh, Chocolate, um, which is a shorter to three feet you know, dark purple foliage with white flowers really late in the season. Just a really good, chocolate's a great accent in the garden. Yeah, and the thing I love about that plant is the flower can go in any late summer arrangement because it's white, but also the foliage on the plant for arrangements. It's really nice to use that dark purple foliage in the garden, you know, in arrangements out of the garden, so. What do we have in shade? Because we've talked about a lot of sun things. Yeah, yeah, And, and shade is very you know, difficult to get color in. Um, one of the later, um, one of the later flowers that I like for shade is uh, Colony, which mm-hmm. is Turtlehead. Um, there's one called Hot Lips, which is another great, greatly named plant, yeah, um, which has these really <laughs> dark, dark um, green leaves, very leathery, beautiful leaves. Um, has a a flower that. Um, well, called turtle head, looks like a turtle head, mm-hmm. um, and it's a beautiful, like, mauvey pink color. Blooms for a very, very long time. Blooms the end of July into August, um, and, uh, you know, really has a, a good presence. That plant probably is going to be three, three and a half feet in, in good soil. So. Yeah, and, and the thing, I, it's yep. underused. The foliage, we can't... We can't overstate how nice right. the foliage is. It's that kind of yeah. dark, dark green, waxy right. kind of leaf, shiny. Yeah. Right. And just when it's in leaf before it blooms in the yeah. summer against hostas and astilbes yeah. and ferns and, yeah. you know, um, you know, Tradescantia would be another one. Oh, that, right. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. long bloomer. And yeah. Tell us a little bit about Tradescantia. Yeah, well, the variety that I have um, I'm really excited about is called Sweet Kate. And um, that is a really um, beautiful uh, lime green foliage. And the plant has a smaller stature than typical spiderwort. That plant's going to be probably in the 15 to 18 inch range. And also it doesn't run around. You know, the older spiderworts were great if you wanted to cover a lot of ground. But if you didn't have a lot of space or you wanted to put this plant next to like a blue hosta, for instance, you know, it's going to stay put a little bit better. Right. much more easy to manage and then the flower on it is this beautiful purple blue that really is electric with that foliage so. yeah, it you have to see it folks yeah it's, it's, it's almost just, unreal. it is it's ultraviolet is the way i would call it yeah um it almost looks like it's under a black light <laughs> it's so yeah, right. it's so purple yeah. um it, in that that dark you know that beautiful yellow and we all know Tom likes yellow, right? (laughs) (laughs) So it's a great, great plant. Yeah, Uh, awesome. Yeah. 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 So shades shades continue, you know, always is kind of hard for a lot of, you know, flowering things. But those are some great, great options. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So summer. Yeah. So what about shrubs? I mean, we didn't really, you know, I mean, there's incredible. If, you know, hydrangea, there's a new one out every minute. 
you know? Uh, I know. And there are really great, great varieties because um, that plant um, has really, in the last five years, has really come a long way, five to ten years. Mm. Uh, you know, there's anywhere, we've got a beautiful one, um, brand new to the market uh, from the Proven Winter Line called Bobo. Bobo. Um, which is this, uh, it blooms its little head off. Um, the flowers, <laughs> you know, are very similar to the, the old-fashioned PG, different, little different shape. They emerge, you know, um, a greenish color. They, t- they start to mature to like a creamy color and then, you know, that beautiful pink um, when the cool weather comes in the fall. The plant is so um, full of flowers sometimes you can't see the foliage. Right. It's um, really, uh, you know, I would say the new varieties that are coming out, yeah. they're better and better for small gardens. Exactly. Yep. And so we can pack a lot of plants exactly. and get big color but not big stature. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and these this bobo is, you know, in the three to four foot range. So okay. it's another one of those plants that's, uh, um, you know, just a little bit more compact and All more right. useful to us. So we're going to kind of wrap up here, Jim, but All before right. you go, yeah, just give us a couple tips about summer planting and how people can be successful. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, what I, what I notice a lot of times with plants is, um, you know, people have success and failure, as we all do as gardeners. And what I notice a lot of times is with summer planting, you know, sometimes we get a little distracted. We want to have that color. We put these beautiful big plants in. And um, I think watering, a lot of, a lot of um, plant failures or stress that I see, whether it be shrub or perennial related, is due to, you know, lack of, you know, lack of enough water. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, a lot of these plants are large. They're in full flower when we put them in the ground, and that is a taxing on the plant. So we want to make sure they have ample nutrients and water through the summer into the fall um, to make sure that they are hydrated, put, up, put out enough root systems so then when winter comes, they're really hooked into the ground. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, a bigger concern. So, you know, a lot of plants will wilt in a day after being put in, especially these larger plants, because, um, you know, they just need so much from us. So. Absolutely. You yeah. know, summer is a tough time. It's a yeah. tough time, but it's a great time to garden, too. And, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. water is key. Yeah, and too you really see little. your holes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jim, I'd like to thank you for being on. Uh, we'll have you back again, I'm sure. You promise? I promise. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Jim Massey, nursery manager at the Yarmouth store. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Jim Dill from uh, Cooperative Extension on News Talk WLOB. Your garden was the talk of the neighborhood in May, but how does it look now? All it takes is a few fresh plants to return it to its springtime splendor. Even the hardiest plants can be battered down by rain and heat. Restore your garden with gorgeous annuals and perennials at the height of their beauty from Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, or Kennebunk. With new varieties still arriving, you're guaranteed to find great-looking plants without weeding through spring leftovers. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. 
Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earth Life Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. Great interview with Jim. Uh, always a pleasure and always full of, of new and interesting stuff. I, I, I can't keep up with it all. You know, we keep adding all these new varieties. And, you know, it's interesting because some of these new things that we keep adding really are great. I mean, that Bobo Hydrangea just came in last week. It's really neat and different, very tight habit. Uh, the flowers are nice and big. I really think it's going to be a great plant. Now, it's new. So we got to try it out. we got to get it out there. So if you plant one, let us know how it, how it kind of does. Let us know how it gr- big it grows. Let us know how you prune it. You know, all these new things, we want feedback, you know. Uh, did it winter well? Um, all of those things are really important. We keep bringing new things to the market through our nice suppliers, but we want to know more and more and more information back. So always let us know. Now, today we're not live. We're taping, unfortunately, so you can't call in and ask questions and whatnot. But uh, we have Jim Dill from uh, Cooperative Maine Extension, and Jim is the pest management specialist. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. How are you? I am well. Yourself? I, I appreciate you being on the show because, let's face it, we've had some really tough, tough weather. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plants are struggling all over the place, aren't they? And you are in what, Aroostook County today? I'm in Aroostook County today looking at some potatoes. Actually. Absolutely. So how are how are things looking up there? Uh, you know, it depends on when they plant it. There's some real some bad fields I've seen, you know, really spotty just because of wet season. Yeah, yeah. Are you outside right now? I, I am. Okay, if possible, we're having a lot of feedback. Uh, if you can get inside or, or... Well, at least see if I can get out of the wind at least. Ah, uh, I see. Try 
if I go inside, I might be in a metal building, and that will. Yeah, you are perfect right there. Don't move. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, so some problems with the potatoes up there, huh? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of wet feet, you know, and yeah. of course the way the humidity and that type of thing has been. We're always concerned about late light. Absolutely. You know, uh, speaking of that, what's what's been going on with tomatoes? Are you seeing any problems with blights? Uh, not yet. I've been to several different places in southern Maine, but not one of them has proven to actually be late blight or early blight. Okay. It's been, it been weather-related. So. Okay. So, yeah. what you know, how the blueberry fields, let's let's face it, that's a big industry here in Maine, too. Well, the blueberry fields themselves look uh, pretty good. The problem is we found the first spotted winged asophilus here in Maine last week. Mm. And that's a new, uh, you know, pest for us. So I found it for the first time in September of 2011. Caused some problems last year. Okay. And last year we didn't find it until the middle of August. So it's uh, six weeks early this year. So we're really concerned about not just blueberries, but raspberries, okay. highbush blueberries, you name it. Yeah. Absolutely. So something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Uh, Absolutely. What's, what's kind of the remedy for something like that? What do we have to do? Well, unfortunately, we don't have a good remedy because it's a new pest. It came from Asia. There's no natural uh, control for it. There's, you know, there's no uh, um, predators. There's no parasites on okay. it. So, unfortunately, you there, Jim? Grower, it, you got to you got to use a pesticide. Okay. All right. So, you know, we're going to keep tabs on this. We'll be bringing you more information about that. But in general, how how has the insect uh, problems been this year? It's been spotty. Um, it's been all over the place. We've had, interestingly, we did have a new kind of pest for us on potatoes, and it's a tortoise beetle. Tortoise beetle? Yeah, a tortoise. Okay. Yeah, a tortoise beetle. Um, There's a couple different species here in the state. One, the golden tortoise beetle attacks morning glory. Okay, we've seen that. Yeah, and can do quite a number on it, actually. looks like someone took a, you know, shotgun and shot it. Uh, But this is called the clavate uh, tortoise beetle, and it's uh, been a kind of a pest for us on tomatoes and some peppers also, and a little bit on backyard gardens also potatoes. Okay, so we also see that a lot of times on, uh, not that particular one, but the golden tortoise beetle on sweet potato vine, right? Yeah, yeah, it would get on sweet potato too, absolutely. Okay, yeah, we see that a lot in the garden center industry of people bringing, you know, those in. Uh, so yep. if you have sweet potato vine, you might you might be seeing this little golden beetle on, you know, um, what's, a, what's a good remedy for that? Uh, again, you know, if you get it early, very truthfully, you can handpick the adults. They're really right. easy to see. And, you know, and that's what we say. If it's a, it's a small situation, go out there and handpick them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, in that, almost any conventional insecticide, either organic or inorganic, works because they're really easy to manage that way. Okay. Well, you just kind of have to be proactive then. Yeah, just just be looking for it. If you've okay. had them before, especially, make sure you're looking for them. Okay. Okay. So uh, what else has been kind of showing? How have aphids been? It seems like they've been sporadic. Yeah, that's sporadic. Uh, the weather hasn't been good for aphids. You know, aphids really like a nice, hot, dry weather, and, of course, we haven't had that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, yes, it's been hot and dry for two or three days, but then it rains, you know, for a week. Or, or, or you get an inch or two or three inches of rain, you know, 24 hours, and that just clobbers the aphids, just washes them right off the plant. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, with a lot of this weather conditions we've been having, it's been really, really tough. Uh, fungal problems must be arising everywhere. Yeah, 
Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of fung- fungus problems on a lot of different uh, plants. Uh, uh, we've seen it in, even in some of the greenhouses mm-hmm. uh, because the humidity has been up. You know, it's been cloudy. Uh, botrytis has been a serious problem for us uh, uh, on tomato, greenhouse tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And we just help, tell people you got to keep an eye on things. And the big thing to do on that type of thing Make sure you got good ventilation, you know. you got to prune those plants. You want good airflow. You get good airflow, and you can do a lot to, to manage botrytis. Yeah, yeah. You know, definitely that's that's always our number one problem in the garden center. You know, in our greenhouses, botrytis is something that we've just had perfect conditions for it to explode. And yeah. a lot of people are—tell us what botrytis looks like, you know, because I think a lot of people might be having some of those problems in some of their containers that have been out in the rain for weeks on end now. Yeah, what it is, you, you usually see it on a, on, on a leaf, and any type of a flowering plant that the, the petals drop, you really have a, uh, uh, will notice it, because what happens is those petals will fall on the lower leaves, and they stick there. Once that um, petal starts to decay a little bit, this very weak, usually it's a weak, it's a secondary, what we call a secondary fungus, which is botrytis, gets in, and you get this fuzzy gray um, mold growing often on that petal, but as I say, it can grow on other tissue too, but we'll often start in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, very uh, invasive fungus. What's, you know, would copper sulfate take care of that? It probably would. You know, any of the, the copper compounds are probably going to do a real good job on uh, on, on controlling it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, you with copper sulfate, you can kind of hit a lot of different things, correct? Right. Uh, it, it, it's a good, uh, you know, it's it's a weak fungicide, but it's good on a lot of different type of uh, fungi. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah. And, you know, talk about vegetable insects, cucumber beetles, you know, stuff like that. What what should people be looking out for right now? Right now we've seen a lot of cucumber beetle. Again, spotty. If you've had cucumber beetle in the past, make sure you're out there looking for it, um, you know. They, they they really love to get on uh, on, on transplants, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but we should be a little past that stage. But I've had a lot of people say, "Well, we were, but because of the weather, I've had to replant." Right. Um, and so, so be on the lookout for those that that uh, yellow and black striped uh, beetle. Um, the other thing is on on potato situations. Again, the Colorado potato beetle is starting to show up in in pretty good numbers around. And does that show uh, up on eggplant also? It will show up on eggplant. Matter of fact, um, I swear I'll leave potatoes to go to eggplant. So right. <laughs> it really, really loves eggplant. Don't usually see it on pepper, even though there's another closely related one. But uh, but eggplant, it truly loves. Okay. Okay. And and what's going on? You know, tomato hornworm should be showing up. It's just showing up in a while. It's a little early yet, yep. and you know, and of course, most people miss the real early larva the first time they see it. You know, they're a foot long and big around right. as, a, as a softball. By the time you see the first ones, and everybody's saying, "What's this?" You know, if you hadn't seen them before. But, right. but very seriously, they're about the, you know about the size of your index finger. They mm-hmm. they're pretty good good size. Like, you know, three inches long and about the size of a dime round. So what when should full grown. what should people look out? For you know, for early signs on on tomato hornworm. Well, you know, the, the the best thing to really do is be looking on your plants, and the best thing you can do is look for excrement. We call mm-hmm. it frass. Insect excrements called mm-hmm. frass. So we say look for frass, and all that is, especially early on with the smaller ones, you're just going to see these little green um, droplets or droppings on leaves. And once you see those on the leaves, you want to look up a little higher, and you start looking around. 
and you'll see the tomato hornworm. Mm-hmm. But I'll t- those little guys are very difficult to see. Even the big ones can be pretty difficult to see. Absolutely. You, you, know, you know they're there because you've seen the droppings, but, you know, to find that up in the foliage sometimes is difficult. Yeah, and is BT just a good, good general yeah, use? BT will work great on the small ones. Once you get up about the size of your fingers, the thing you can do there, the best thing to do then is just go just through and hand pick them. Pick them off, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because those big ones will eat the fruit, too. You'll okay. find them directly gnawing on the fruit. So you want to be out there looking for the little ones. Okay. They usually leave the fruit alone, the smaller ones. All right, all right. And uh, what about, you know, other problems you see, you know, in the garden, in the veggie garden specifically? Anything else going on that we should know about? Uh, you know, as, as wet as it's been for insects, the insect numbers so far, uh, you know, are, are kind of down. You know, we, we expect we're going to be seeing them popping up here once a little warmer weather. You know, aphids, I expect, will, will, will be around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all seem to have some problems with them. Um, but so far, that's, a, that's about all. Even the cutworms haven't been overly uh, difficult this year, even though, you know, you, as soon as you say that, we'll say, ah, I was clobbered with them. And that's <laughs> Absolutely. True. And, you know, they're, they're, they're spotty. Um, and the best thing to look for those is, uh, if you're not familiar with the cutworm, there's two different types. There's the climbing cutworm, where they get up and they eat the foliage or will actually cut the leaf off and it'll drop to the ground. And then there's the one that's got this name. They're the ones that actually go and they'll feed on a plant and cut it right off at ground level. Okay. Uh, Jim, we're going to take a quick break. I'd love to have you back after the break. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Asian beetle and maybe the infamous sure. Japanese beetle. Sure, we can do that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, the lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. 
Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we are talking with Jim Dill, pest management specialist for Maine Cooperative Extension. Jim, welcome back. Thank you. Did I get that right? You did. All right. That's such a long title. You've got such a <laughs> big responsibility, right? Absolutely. Yes. You name it, and I get, I get it. So. <laughs> you get to travel all over the state and see all the problems. I do. And then come up with a solution, right? And try to solve it. That's Absolutely. Right. Identify it and then solve it. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about Asian beetle because we've had a lot of customers that have problems with that. Yeah, we've, we've, got, uh, we've got a complex here of what we call scarab beetles. You've got the Asiatic garden beetle, mm-hmm. um, you've got the Japanese beetle, mm-hmm. and you've got the European chafer. Now, the ones that's been really clobbering the lawns down in the southern Maine and in the Bangor area the last, so I'm going to say four to five years, is actually the uh, European chafer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I mean, it's doing a number on lawns. Okay. Um, when, we, when we get specimens sent in now, I would say probably 85 90% of the lawn grubs mm-hmm. are actually up our way. In the, in the Bangor area is the European chafer. Okay. Now and now the Asiatic garden beetle will do some of the same stuff, not quite as bad. It'll do some lawn damage, um, but the adult will do some feeding. Whereas the European chafer doesn't do much feeding. And of course, we all know the Japanese beetle feeds on everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so you so you kind of got those three uh, scarab beetles out there um, working their magic, so to speak, uh, on the lawn and on foliage. Okay. So you know, tell us the differences and tell us how we can kind of remedy the you know, work, yep. work to get rid of some of these things. Sure. The ja- the Japanese beetle, mm. um, that's the, you know, bronzy, metallic, with a bright green, uh, just black back of the head. Uh, most people, and way along the side, most people have uh, seen that mm-hmm. and, and are familiar with it. Uh, the European chafer is so a little over half an inch long, and it looks like the big old June beetle that, you know, I right. think people are throwing rocks at the side of your house or the windows <laughs> at night. Um, and it, so it looks very much like that. It's a little lighter in color. Mm-hmm. Now, the Asiatic garden beetle, uh, again, looks somewhat similar to the uh, June bug uh, or the European chafer, but it's even a little bit smaller than that. And the big thing about that is you look at it, if you see the back of it, it, it has that characteristic like uh, gasoline sheen. If you see a little gasoline sitting on water, that shiny sheen, right. you'll see that on the back of the Asiatic garden, garden beetle. Okay. And so that's how you can tell that one. And, th- and those, those are the three. That's how you can tell the adults apart. Um, management, depending on, on what they're doing. One of the things I would, I'd like to say first on the Japanese beetle is sure. a lot of people handpick them or trap them or whatever. But we're finding now a lot of parasites on the Japanese beetle, and, and when you go to pick them, if that's what you're doing, hand-picking, look right on that nice green pronotum, we call it, and you'll see three, four, one, two, doesn't really matter, but little white, white dots, dots on yeah. it. Yeah, that's the egg of the parasite, and we tell everybody, leave those alone, just let them stay, because if, once that uh, um, egg hatches, uh, the larvae tunnels inside of the Japanese beetle, and it will stop feeding, mm-hmm. and eventually kill it, and give, of course, give rise to uh, new parasites. Okay. So that's and that's where, and we're finding maybe as twenty as much as twenty five percent of the beetles are are parasitized, and we're, and we're getting a lot of reports the last couple of years that the Japanese beetle is no longer um, anywhere near as as bad as it used to be. Yeah, it's really spotty. Think, yeah, it's very spotty. I think there's two reasons for that. One is this this um, actual um, parasite is 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 working fairly well, but I think the bigger one is what I already mentioned that the Truthfully, the European chafer seems to be out competing 
the Japanese beetle on lawns and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so because of that, there's, there's fewer numbers of the Japanese beetle out there. So, um, you know, so so Japanese beetle, like, like you say, is spotty. Um, you know, it's, it's the same old remedies we've had. You can use the the uh, Japanese beetle trap. I recommend truly if you use those, you want to put it at least fifty feet away from what you're trying to protect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's just one tool. Don't rely on that completely because I have seen people put it next to a rose bush or whatever and of course <laughs> yeah. those beetles come flying in and you know I heard you laugh already. That <laughs> rose bush will be devastating. Uh, my joke uh, always is, you know, give it to your neighbor for Christmas. Maybe not, that's right. <laughs> yeah. What you really want to try to do is you want to be in the center of the neighborhood and you give everybody in the neighborhood all the way around you, you know. Right. <laughs> so then you never get any. But uh, Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I, I recommend people put it out in the middle of a grassy field. You know, absolutely. If you've yeah. got a nice grassy field in your neighborhood, put it out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You want to you want to attract them away from any any foliage you're trying to protect. And to me, that's a that's a positive because they're going to stop off and feed on the grass. And also, the ones that you do not catch that have the parasite are going to be out in the field and they're going to feed. And so, yep. you know, they're not on your plants per se. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So, so, so they're out in the way, and that's what you want to do for that one. Okay. Um, you know, the, the other two, very truthfully, uh, like the European chafer, we don't do much for mm-hmm. it because it's not, uh, it's not much of a foliage feeder. Okay. Um, we, you're going you're to control that one uh, by controlling the lawn grubs. Okay. And, and, you, and you also, if you're doing that, you're going to control Japanese beetles with some uh, new materials uh, on the market that's just just come out that's really good for uh, white grub control. Okay. Uh, um, so that works uh, very, very well on it and very low hazard okay. uh, materials. Um, so, so those are good to use for, for the lawn grubs. And that will take care of Asiatic garden beetle too. Okay. So, you know, when it comes to, do they all kind of emerge very similar time frame? Well, they staggered a little bit. Okay. Um, and like in, in the Bangor area, which, which is where I'm most familiar, down in the southern part, they're probably about a week earlier than what they are in the Bangor area. But you can plan on the last week of June, right? like clockwork, for <laughs> the European chafer to come out. Okay. Then about a week to 10 days later, so you're into the first week of July, the Japanese beetle start coming okay. out. And, and the Asiatic garden beetle is, is, is right around that same time, but we don't have a lot of those in the Bangor area. They're more of a southern Maine. Absolutely. So far, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And talk to, talk to us a little bit about lily leaf beetle, because this is, this is a, a huge problem in southern Maine. Yeah, you know, it likes, uh, of course, uh, Asiatic lily uh, mostly, but it also gets on Solomon's seal. Oh, really? And I've had a, yeah, I've had a lot of people complain about Solomon's seal being eaten by. It would, it would prefer certainly the Asiatic lily, but you will find it on Solomon's seal, and it can be devastating to Solomon's seal also. Do you think and, that's and, that's the insect adjusting a bit because there's not as many lilies out there? It, it, it may be, but it, it's always been one of its host plants, you okay. know, listed. But it's just that, you know, most people that see it just see it on the Asiatic lily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I think probably, depending on the situation, there may be just a lot more Asiatic lilies planted yeah. around than Solomon's seals, too. Yeah, uh, yeah you absolutely. Know, it depends on, yeah, so... Um, so, very truly, you know, that, that little leaf beetle is a striking beetle. It's that bright red beetle. And we tell everybody, just go handpick that, you know, yeah. unless you've got, you know, thousands of lilies. Um, it, it, it works pretty well to handpick it. Now, the, the larvae is very interesting for those because what they do is they cover their body with their excrement, mm-hmm. which discourages predators. 
So, you know, if you're hand-picking, probably the best thing to do is, is wear, you know, a disposable glove or something. Right. Because if you're picking the larvae too, um, you know, just to, to kill them, uh, squeeze them, squish them, whatever you're doing, whatever method you're using. But if you're hand-picking, I, I recommend using a disposable uh, a latex glove of some type. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's one of the things. Now, they've done a lot of research on that one, and, and we've actually been involved with it here at the, at the University of Maine, especially uh, uh, Dr. Lois Stack, sure. on releasing uh, parasites okay. uh, for it. Um, and as I say, URI's been the leader in that, and they found that to be quite successful. Um, the ones that we've released here in, in um, Maine, they seem to work okay um, when you release them. But it's one of those things that you have to keep releasing. I, I think that uh, the parasite just doesn't uh, overwinnow well here. Okay. So, so you know, you, you, we can't get it established where it's, you know, helping take care of it every year. And, of course, there's always um, the, the final method, which I, you know, try to go organic as much as we can or, or, or low impact. And then you can always spray a pesticide, an insecticide, and they're really easy to kill, uh, to, uh, kill with an ornamental insecticide. Okay. Um, we're going to take another quick break here, Jim, and I, I want to come back, and what I'd like to talk about is amyloclopid and the uh, possible you know, decline in bees and whether or not yep. we're seeing any, any information on that. So we're going to okay. take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella's Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth-life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earth-Life Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Your garden was the talk of the neighborhood in May, but how does it look now? All it takes is a few fresh plants to return it to its springtime splendor. Even the hardiest plants can be battered down by rain and heat. Restore your garden with gorgeous annuals and perennials at the height of their beauty from Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, or Kennebunk. With new varieties still arriving, you're guaranteed to find great-looking plants without weeding through spring leftovers. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Whether you're visiting for the summer or enjoying a vacation at home, the last thing you want to do is waste precious time, especially in the garden. Esther Brooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk makes decorating your home with beautiful plants quick and easy. They've got a great selection and great people here. I can always find what I need. It's just a wonderful place to shop. It's right down the road for me, too, so that makes it convenient. To learn more, visit EstherBrooksOnline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we have been talking with Jim Dill, uh, pest management specialist at Maine Cooperative Extension, and you can pick us up live at WLOBradio.com and pick up our podcast at estabrooksonline.com. Also, Jim, welcome back. Thank you. And, you know, when we left before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, bees and, and decline. And this, this is kind of a question I have 
you know, and we've had it posed to us on the, on the show, and I don't have really good information about this, but everybody seems to be really, really concerned about amylocloped or merit and B decline. Have right. we seen any any co- connection at this point? Does the science what, support that? Yeah, what, what we're looking at is the um, uh, complex called uh, the colony uh, collapse disorder okay. uh, for honeybees. And what we're finding is that imidacloprid, which is a family of insecticides called the neonicotinoids, and we just call them neonics for shot, mm-hmm. um, there seems to be a possibility that there's a linkage of bee decline with those. Not here so much in the U.S., but there's been some um, research done in Europe, and, and they think that it may be. But when I originally said I called it a complex, and the reason is that what is happening is we have three things going on. You've got, one, a mite that affects honeybees called the varroa mite. Okay. And once, once again, it's, it's just a mite that gets on them and, and you know, just kind of uh, drains them down a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and they get a little lethargic once they get it. Then we have a second an, uh, uh, a protozoan called a nosema, which also gets in and, you know, gives bee, bees problems. Um, uh, to be blunt, kind of a diarrhea type of a situation with it. So, again, it weakens the bee. Mm-hmm. And then, so if you get those couple of things working in, in a hive where you've got a weakened um, beehive, mm-hmm. then then not only neonics but any other probably um, thing that they come in contact, especially from an insecticide type of a situation, um, then it might be able to take them right out. But we don't have a lot of evidence that the neonics directly are, are killing the bees, okay. but because of the situation we're dealing with, everybody's kind of watching because uh, um, that seems to be that complex is what's going on. Yeah, I mean we've kind of been through this whole you know process with diazinon and Dursban and and all of these things, and and as we learn more and more about all of these things, you know we need to make adjustments and right. and uh, absolutely you know like I always tend to uh, you know let customers understand you know use the right product for the right insect at the right time and you need to use a lot less and so and and absolutely and timing is critical Mm -hmm. and of course with any situation as you just pointed out with a honeybee you know if you've got something that's full bloom you know you really really want to stay away from any insecticide Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know because you don't want the bees exposed to it right or or if you're going to put it out do it late evening when the bees aren't uh, out out or out and about and you know have it dry overnight and right. it's less bioavailable to the to the bees. Yeah, I yep. mean I always recommend the best time for Japanese beetle control if you have to do something, you know, do it towards dusk. They're, yes, le- they're absolutely. Le- less active and you know hopefully you know your neem oils and all your other things that you're using will yep. be dry by morning and absolutely. there you go. Your bees, you know, are less exposed. They're still going to get exposed in some way. Yeah, they will be, but you, yeah. but you're right. Any of them doesn't matter if it's an organic material or a conventional material. Okay. Um, you want to you want to put it on when the bees are less less active. Okay. Well, we're going to kind of wrap up, and the last thing I want to kind of talk about is hemlock woolly adelgid, because yep. we've had a whole bunch of reports about it all up and down the coast here. There, we got a couple minutes here. Tell me the the quick story on on hemlock woolly adelgid. Yeah, well, it's one of those things that came into Maine, I'm going to say, oh, probably eight or ten years ago. Um, it came up the East Coast. It came up the East Coast, and, uh, you know, it started attacking uh, hemlocks. Uh, and, and as the name applies, the anadelgid looks sort of like an aphid. Mm-hmm. It's very closely related to aphids. 
and the wooliness comes from a waxy coating it puts over itself to protect it. And it gets on, uh, like on hemlock, so it gets right along that rib of the hemlock and uh, and just, you know, just feed and feed and feed in it. And mm-hmm. it really, really can be devastating to, to hemlocks. And, and cause a real problem with them. Yeah, and it's fairly easy, if am I correct in saying, to control in the landscape in our yard. But uh, In small trees, it is. Yes. yes. You know, so yeah. if you have a small hedge and you're shearing it, it's fairly easy to, to, to deal with. But we're really worried about the native stands that line all our streams, that protect right. our fish right. and, and all that. That's the real big concern, correct? That, that's, a, that's a real big concern because it can get in there and can actually kill them. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's not the type of thing that people are out, you know, noticing it until mm-hmm. it's too late. Mm-hmm. And and once it's weakened that tree, of course, other other problems can uh, can occur. We have uh, another insect that feeds on the needles, uh, the hemlock looper. Mm-hmm. And so once you got a weakened tree, if that's in there too, right, uh, it just can 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 really really be bad. Yeah, and kind absolutely. of the last thing on hemlock, the elongated scale also attacks if, right. if they're weakened. Yep. You know, so yep, yep. There's definitely some problems. It, you know, hemlocks. We're still selling them. We're promoting people put them in their yard in case. We do have a problem down the road. You know, um, any other major things that have popped up that that you can uh, share with us? I, I think we've probably you know pretty well covered them today. But right. anytime you want me back, just let me know and we'll talk about whatever. Jim, I really appreciate your time. You know, Jim Dill, Extension Specialist. Uh, you know, at the Main Cooperative Extension, and uh, thank you so much. We'll definitely have you back. All right, thanks, Tom. All right, have a wonderful yep. day. All right, thanks. And, uh, you know, Jim, you know, the one thing I can say, all the folks at Cooperative Extension, and if you don't know your folks at Cooperative Extension and you are a gardener, you need to get involved with Extension. They have the Master Gardener Program. They have unbelievable tools. And, unfortunately, Extension has not got a lot of support. And we need more interaction with our government about making sure people like Jim still have jobs. And uh, a lot of positions aren't being refilled. Obviously, it's a tough time out there. But these folks are the ones doing the hard-hitting problems out there, the things that are going to affect us long-term, like lily leaf beetle and hemlock woolly adelgid and all the problems out there in agriculture. They are the lifeline for our industry to have good information, to work with the universities to make sure we come up with solutions and problems and, and all of these things. So, you know, Jim, I'd like to thank you. That was an excellent interview and uh, really a great, great, uh, you know, wonderful way to get a great information and great information about the bee collapse possibility disorders here. You know, I, I wasn't really up on that and we had a question a couple weeks ago and I wasn't exactly sure. I kind of skirted the issue to be perfectly honest. That's perfect information from Jim. When I have a question that I don't know the complete answer, I'm going to try to have somebody come back on, have somebody come back on the, the show so that you're going to have good information from the resources that really, really know the answers. And we're going to wrap up the show here. So, I'm off. I'm sitting on my deck. But you need to call in next week. We're going to be on from 7 to 9 every Saturday here on Forward. I'm excited about the new time change. Uh, You know, I will have some other time off, folks. And we'll do this from time to time. Uh, But next week, you can call. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, to wrap the show up, I want to talk about a couple things. It's Clam Festival. Get out there. Enjoy the summer. You know, I know you've been hard, hard gardening, but the biggest thing is get out there and maintain what you have. Okay. Add a few things, 
add a few holes, get ready for fall. Get ready for fall. Start planning what you might want to do. You can garden all summer, as we talked with Jim. You know, we've got a bunch of problems, as we talked with Jim Dill. You know, and we've got great fertilizers to back it up. So we're here for support. We're here for all those problems. Make sure and go ahead, give us a call, shoot us an email, send us a picture. If we don't know the answers, we can send it to Jim. We can send it to Jim Dill. He'll help us out, and we'll get back to you. You know, get out there. It's Clam Festival. I'm enjoying my weekend. You know, I hope you are too. Make sure and get out and enjoy your garden, but come on down. Have some clams. Maybe stop off at the garden center. Talk with Jim Massey, my nursery manager. Give him a hard time, you know, and uh, for me because I'm off and he's not, okay? So with all of that said, get out there. Enjoy your garden. Make sure, tune in next week. You can pick us up live at WLLBradio.com. We also are on there video, you know, so you can watch us. I know it's early. You don't need to see me waving my hands and being all animated on the radio. But you can watch us us streaming live on News Talk, WLOB, WLOBradio.com, and pick up the podcast at EstabrooksOnline.com. Get out there. Enjoy your garden and enjoy your Saturday. Have some fun. See you soon.